0: We're just gonna leave that in. We're hey, everyone! <laughs> Welcome to the Busted Header Podcast. This is Chris, aka not the fake Webby. I am joined by Halbertius, aka Hal, aka Jake.
1: It's good to be back at a scheduled time, no less. Like I don't know what the hell that's about.
0: And Jake was the one that was pushing it back this time. It's a nice change of pace. Gave me time to work. <laughs>
1: but yeah, by hours, not days. Just for the record, hours, not days. Unlike some people. <laughs> Enough to allow me to go, like, word
0: overload with all these recaps and everything, so (laughs) we got a lot of reading to do, so you ready to hop in? Go ahead. All right, so we're going to take this on a game-by-game kind of recap, and kind of talk about the team, the Pistons, then, before getting to kind of an overview uh, of some archetypes at the end. So, starting off, we go with the Pistons at the Magic. So, for that game, the Magic kind of got off to a hot start in the first quarter, especially from your boy Franz. Um, and Pistons just never really had a chance to come back Cade was rough that game And kind of That was his little bit of a a weak spell For a game and a half um, Had 8 points and 3 of 17 Shooting 0 5 from 3 And only 4 assists and 2 turnovers And then he missed his first 11 shots And only had 2 points at half Which came from free throws
1: Yeah just generally so. Not a good game for the Pistons <laughs> I, I don't know yep. that there was a whole lot you were uh, you wanted to take away from that game, to be honest.
0: Nope, so let's move on <laughs> to the fun one. <laughs> we got one fun one in this, and it was the Pistons beating the Cavs at home, 115-105. And the Pistons started off just ice cold to start. 0-15 in the first four, or they were down 15 to zip after the first four minutes before Frank Jackson kind of brought us back into the game. Um, he was 4-4 from the field, 3-3 from deep. So a nice hot uh, kind of first quarter for him to keep us in it. Um, and then the Pistons kind of pulled away in the fourth after a couple uh, big second halves from Cade, Sadiq, and then Stu in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, that one Any was, thoughts on that? was definitely a, a Cade game. <laughs> yep. Uh,
0: that was, in, much like against Did against Orlando, he struggled in the first half, but this game he turned it around the second and was just on fire yeah this was definitely
1: one of those where you saw him like figure things out the Cavs obviously are a super long team a great defensive team and for whatever reason it just clicked for him in that second half and like the uh the uh the step back i think against rondo at the end there was like the moment where i was like oh uh he's not shooting well (laughs) and it doesn't matter he sets this up and he just blitzes them and Uh, yeah the the Cavs game was pretty fun uh we don't need to relitigate Evan Mobley at all during those games Mm -hmm. that's one thing we're just like guys it's okay that Evan Mobley is good uh I don't like that that conversation like it's one thing for Jalen Green because the Jalen Green stuff was stupid yeah uh the Evan Mobley stuff like just leave Evan alone um yep but yeah two good uh, players that was a uh that was a fun game the thing i
0: liked most about cade in that game is that obviously like i said he struggled the the first game against the magic before that after having that big game against the nuggets um, and then he struggled in the first half and he just turned it around on a dime and especially from like a rookie you're not going to get the night to night consistency and that's why we say like we're not going to be contending for like a 10 seed no matter how good cade looks and stretches and flashes just because he's a rookie he's got to figure it all out consistency is going to be one of the first things he struggles with and We've definitely seen in a couple of these games, like, he has all the tools for everything. Like, he, he can do it all. <laughs> so, uh, what he finished with 19-10-10, a triple-double with four stocks. Which is pretty fucking good for a rookie, I guess, especially against a tough team like the Cavs, so. Like, I, I get the people will probably be frustrated for a couple games and they're not getting the night-to-night consistency that you're getting from, like, an Evan Mobley, but... Kate is still a phenomenal player, and just he's just kind of scratching the surface on what he'll be in the NBA.
1: Right. One turnover. That's really key there. One turnover mm-hmm. against a really good defense. Um, finally got to the line a little bit. Five free throws. Um, yep. And we can't go through that game without mentioning Sadiq Bay's stuff either, because 31 yep. uh, points for him. Um, only the one rebound, uh, which is interesting. Three assists, yeah. just a really good game for him, and a really terrible game for Hami. Um, I think we just saw that, that like, <laughs> uh, when you're actually like paying attention to him and he can't just like, you know, run the floor on you, Hami doesn't have his best games. Um, yeah, but otherwise yeah. Uh, a pretty good one. Uh, I thought that uh, that was a decent Killian Hayes game. Uh, only mm-hmm. the only the four points and six assists, but like I, I thought it was a, a good. A good killing game, um,
0: yeah. I mean, we're we getting six assists coming off the bench playing twenty minutes. That's not bad. No, so maybe he's more comfortable in this, this bench role to come off the bench and kind of be a little more comfortable with the second unit. So, hey, I think we can get. Yeah, Sadiq was on fire in the third. Like, yeah, that was that was a nice that was nice stuff from him. So, uh, like that, and then. Continue on to the last game Yeah, he only recap missed, here.
1: Oh no, there were two misses. Two misses in the third, but one, two, three, both yeah, from three. Five, six, yeah. seven, eight, nine, ten shots. Only two misses in the third. Pretty yep. spectacular game from, from Sadiq. Mm-hmm.
0: There's like he was aggressive that and like you could see we just need more of that, so uh we're not always getting that on a night to night basis from Sadiq, so uh but to continue on, so to the last game, we had a couple people come back. So first off, of course, Jeremy Grant is back. Thank God. <laughs> just seeing him on the court just makes me feel so much better. Um, and I'm just happy to see that even if we don't keep him for long, even if he gets traded, you know, in the next week, just seeing him on the floor just makes me that much more confident in either what we can get from him going forward or, you know, whatever trade we're going to make. So, that was nice to see. Um, Hami, as you're we talking about, he had a rough game the night before. He ended up on the bench for Jeremy so that was interesting to see, to say the least. I was kind of half expecting Kojo to go to the bench, but I guess with Killian leading the bench unit, it kind of made sense. So, In addition, we also had Father Kelly come back from protocol. Uh, didn't really do a whole lot. Um, the only thing to really note there that I felt like uh, was doing part to those two coming back is that uh, Magruder didn't play at all after playing about 20 minutes for the past you know, a couple of weeks. So he did play, maybe he's out of the rotation. He did put, he, in, th- he played, but put in three minutes, he had one stretch. <laughs> yeah. But I would say t- two minutes in, I think it was like the fourth quarter, or third quarter, something like that. Yeah, is, it doesn't, doesn't really count. Yeah. It doesn't really make me feel like he's going to be in the rotation moving forward. So
1: no. So which, a really bad Sadiq Bay game, really bad. Yeah. Just couldn't hit anything. Wasn't playing well at all. Uh, did put up four assists, which is pretty good for him, but otherwise a really rough one. Uh, the thing that killed me was, was starting this game and the first like three shots are all Jeremy Grant taking terrible shots. Uh, the very <laughs> first play of the game is a pull-up mid-range shot that he does hit but it's from 20 feet. It's like one step inside the line. Uh, there was another two times at least where he took a step inside the line and shot and it's just like that uh, doesn't need to happen. Um, yep. It's very frustrating. Uh, not the greatest Isaiah Stewart game, he ended up with uh, an 8-11 and 11 stat line, but, like, it was pretty bad. Um, yeah, Jonas didn't Malinus care was, about him was, at all. Yeah.
0: Jonas was just going at him.
1: Um, a, a good Kojo game, I think we have to give him credit for that, didn't hit a lot of his threes. Mm-hmm. He, he took five threes, but, like, put up 18 points on 14 shots, three assists, just generally a decent Kojo game not a good one for Cade. He leaves with the hit pointer, so it doesn't end up being uh um you know, it's hard it's hard to yeah. to when, when he doesn't close the game, it's hard to like look at his stat line cuz we just know he closes so strongly, but just didn't yep. really seem to have a feel for the Pels, which is interesting because they're not a good defensive team by any stretch. Um yeah. This was an interesting one in that like Willie Green decided to just let Hamadou Cookin. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that was a good Hami game. It was a monster Hami game. And like to come out of the second quarter, they put Jonas Valanciunas on him in the corner. And they were just like, okay, uh, we'll have our big man set, you know, give him the Tony Allen, right? Well, the big man will sag off him <laughs> and defend the. And like Hami just roasted him. Like five yep. straight plays. He literally it's uh, he gets a rebound. One, two, three. Yeah. So four buckets in the first half of the or first part of the second quarter like the first what would, what would this be first five minutes or so mm-hmm. all on jv all because uh willie green didn't adjust which was not a good look for uh coach green there no uh i believe kelly also went out on in this one with some kind of injury um he had six assists which is kind of funky but also five turnovers and four fouls. Five turnovers, yeah. But <laughs> and didn't well, go and ahead. as
0: a team, I felt like we also struggled with. And I think uh, Casey said something after the game, but we really struggled with rebounding as a whole. Like Stu got eleven, no one else had more than five. Like it was just a bad team rebounding uh, game entirely. And most of Stu's I think came on the offensive glass too. So it was just like Valenzunas was roasting us down low. Like there was some like laughable Yeah, uh, we got, got out rebounded by so.
1: fifteen. Ten of those were offensive boards. Yeah. So yeah, and just yeah. a a really bad. Oh. Um... And
0: a lot of it, I think, was also it wasn't even like, I think you had a good game getting offensive boards, but there were other people just crashing the glass as well. So it wasn't like it wasn't like we just had one person messing up. It was all around. Everyone was getting on the boards for their team. Yeah. So.
1: Um, I guess rough. the only other thing to pull up from this game I thought it was I thought Killian Hayes was clearly the best of the kids in this one um, he only ends up with a 7 2 2 stat line and like nothing really to show for it but it was really clear he was being really aggressive in the second quarter I think it was um they partnered him no it was it was the it was at the end of the first and into the second they partnered him with Kelly Olenek, and even though Kelly um mm-hmm. you know, even though he didn't have his best game, it was just very clear that like the difference in spacing and how that affected Killian. Um you know, I I I hope to see them partner together more often. I thought it was pretty disappointing that Killian only played twenty minutes. Um yeah. I didn't know. Especially why. with Kate leave it
0: and only playing twenty. Um yeah.
1: you know, like Kojo playing twenty nine and Killian playing nineteen just like we can do better than that um
0: that game to me kind of screamed Cade went down in the third and we were up actually a pretty good amount i think we were up 15 um before the the uh pelicans just kind of took it to us but that kind of to me screamed like a dwayne casey i'm gonna like place with my no veterans and try and get a win which i didn't really like uh like we're, we there were to some
1: really politics. terrible lineups. I mean, there's just no yeah. getting around it. And this one, really especially, it was very noticeable that the rotation was all out of whack, which I guess it's like the first game back for Kelly and uh, for Grant, yep. so you expect a little bit of that. But the rotations were really terrible. Uh, he once again refuses to, like, stagger anything. It's all bench, all um, mm-hmm. all uh, starters, all bench, all starters.
0: Drives me insane. It,
1: it just like we've we've done a lot of Casey stuff on on here on this pod, and like he's had some strengths, he's had some weaknesses, but like the fact that he never ever adjusts, like there are a lot of people who are like, oh, he's a good coach, he's developed these players. Yet yeah. he got fired in Toronto because he couldn't adjust. Point blank end of story. He couldn't adjust yeah. in games, and. We're seeing it now, where like he doesn't understand that you can sub somebody if they have if they have a matchup issue, right? Hamadou Diallo has has his four buckets in a row. He's absolutely cooking, and <laughs> he gets subbed and doesn't come back in for twenty minutes. Yep. Like I think that's just
0: it's just more to like Casey doesn't like if someone's hot, he doesn't pay any mind to it. He does, he doesn't care rotations. if somebody's hot. He doesn't, he doesn't to, care he doesn't if somebody's
1: it. cold he doesn't care if it's very clear that there's a that there's a partnership that works better than another he doesn't care he starts his starters he rotates his bench they play you know relatively equal minutes for the most part which is ridiculous uh <laughs> it, it's it's so tiresome because you just know like there is almost no point now uh where i'm like clipping certain times of the game like, the end of the second quarter, I just end up not clipping stuff. Because yep. I just know Casey's going to run nonsense and the lineup is going to suck. And I, I'm just, I'm really tired of that um, mm-hmm. in general.
0: I think between those two things is the reason, like, once the Pistons actually have to get good and they have to start winning games, like, those two examples, the lack of going with someone who's hot and kind of knowing who to play with who, and also kind of rotating through, like, not having just bench unit starter, or bench unit starting. Those are the two things that frustrate me most about Casey and are the two reasons that I, like, I get that he's, everyone says he's doing a great job, you know, developing these young guys and all that. And I'm not, I'm not going to completely disagree on that. I think he's done a, he's done a pretty good job of getting them along. Uh, But once, you know, the going starts getting tough and we need a good coach, that's where I'm at on Casey because I don't trust him to like really win games because of his coaching. It's like
1: the biggest adjustment they've made this year is going to an even more aggressive defense. Like that's been the noticeable thing, and mm-hmm. uh, that's in large part, I think, because uh, and now I forget his name, uh, Sean Sweeney, went to Dallas and Rex Scalamonia came in. Well, yeah. guess what? The most, the more aggressive defense is one of the biggest reasons they're not doing so hot.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: Like. <laughs> the you so you say you, more that. <laughs> you changed assistant coaches you adjusted to let the assistant coach run your defense and your assistant coach is getting you burned on the back end over and over and over again i i don't know i it's frustrating especially because like Casey's thing as an assistant was that he was like the guy who uh invented the the ma- or like schemed the Mavericks when they took down the heat and mm-hmm. like That was his calling card. So I don't understand why it's such a problem for the Pistons now. But yeah, it's, I mean, just
0: the amount of like open threes I see other teams get versus when I'm watching like other NBA games. That specifically is just like you can tell that a team is over rotating, just like not being aware of what's going on. There's those open threes and stuff like that. And I feel like that's been the Pistons' biggest struggle on defense. So in today's NBA, limiting three point shots is one of the main things you got to do. I feel like they're not doing it at a good enough pace. So, oh. <sighs> all right. But while we talk about the bad, we can also go talk about the good—the good things of us being bad. Which is the Pistons are now one game behind the Magic in the tanking rankings, with twelve wins to the Magic eleven. Uh, that puts us two ahead of the Rockets and three ahead of the Thunder. So, Pistons looking good in the off-season tankathon.
1: Yes. Woo-hoo. Um, yes. <laughs> come with a. Th- I'm
0: just very excited. We need to come with a slogan for Paolo. Like, get pummeled for Paolo. Plummet
1: for Paolo. That's a tough one. Hmm. Bomb for Bancaro? Uh, it's not bad. Blow it up for yeah, Bancaro. <laughs> it's too on the nose. I like the bomb for
0: Bancaro. <laughs> Blow it up is... We're infringing on KOC. It's it's too,
1: it's too on the nose. Uh, yeah. Alright, last little bit of news here. Uh, Josh Jackson has been out day-to-day with a back injury. Uh, Mm -hmm. this is, uh, a back injury somehow sustained on that game where he got ejected. Uh, I'm not entirely convinced that there's a real back injury and that he's not just being benched and they're just trying to, like, hide it. Uh, I was trying to figure out
0: where exactly, like, that happened and couldn't come, I couldn't find any, any details on when it, it's just like, he's been out with a back injury. Yeah. Uh... Not that there's a whole lot of minutes for him anyways. So. No,
1: and he's the uh, sneaky gets traded at the deadline because I think some people are frustrated with him candidate. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, I guess we got... I would...
0: Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, like, he's also a very important salary piece in any Jeremy Grant trade, I think, as well. So.
1: Yeah, he's a pretty flexible one. Uh, I guess yep. the other thing quick to mention there is that Cade does have a hip pointer injury. He's currently listed uh, as questionable for Thursday's game. Uh, we're recording yep. this on Wednesday, so. Um. Yep. Upcoming
0: schedule, we play home against Minnesota on Thursday, as we were talking about, and then Friday back-to-back um, against Boston at home before going to Minnesota on Sunday. So, that is the
1: upcoming schedule in a glance. Is it weird that, like, I actually think Minnesota might be harder than Boston right now?
0: <laughs> no, that's expected. And I don't like Minnesota, Like Towns
1: it's, has been on fire this year. Um well, it's not weird in that, like, that's how it is in the standings. Like, Minnesota's better than Boston by just a little bit this year. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. no, I take it back. Minnesota has a 51% win percent, and Boston has a 51.9% win percent. But, like, <laughs> okay. I just like Minnesota a little better. And that's, I. I mean, two years ago, if you'd said that out loud, people would have shot you. So... Yep. All right, moving on. And I
0: feel like this is a perfect chance. I'm going to jump over the Michigan-Michigan State recaps. I think you don't want to talk about that, anyways. Well, we um, and go to the, uh, the, the 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 one thing it. that literally just this dropped right
1: before we uh, started potting yep. is that Harbaugh is coming back. Woo, woo, yeah. I'm happy. You're yeah. His, his, I don't. I didn't want a to. Bad bit.
0: I don't. I am afraid if they actually get someone who's better. So. I am. I horrible. would be
1: too, because it means I've got like one of the five best coaches in the world. That would be that'd be a pretty crazy thing.
0: I think he could probably go a little bit farther down than that. But anyways, but the way I wanted to do was to the all star starters because the joke of it was that Wiggins got named an all star starter mainly because of the fan <laughs> vote, and I understand that it was gonna be like between him and Draymond. It sounded like between the two. I think Towns should be the person in there. Towns should be the fifth player for the West as a starter, um... at least. Okay. Like the the Timberwolves are winning games. He's been great. Like he's had a, like they've had a lot of people like Anthony Edwards has taken a step forward as well, so it's not like he's the only person doing it on that, but I think Russell's missed a bunch of time like he's been doing a lot for the Timberwolves and it's finally actually equating to wins. So personally, I think he should be in there over Wiggins, but whatever.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm trying to find the uh, Western Conference front. I want to see the votes and see like how close he even got. So towns I don't think he was was 7th in the player votes, 8th in the fan votes, 7th in the media votes. So uh he was not particularly close. I think uh, like Rudy uh the fact that Paul George is injured, but if Paul George wasn't injured, he'd be in for sure. Um, yeah. Like the fact that God, who knows on Paul George? <laughs> uh the fact that Raymond was sixth in the fan vote but fourth and third in media and uh player and votes is like really kind of embarrassing but
0: uh, uh,
1: yeah I mean that's what happens you have literally all of Canada voting for Andrew Wiggins and yay well supposedly it was k-pop yeah I've got k-pop all in on the guy but like yeah boo, I'm bored <laughs> that's with what that. I heard Here, yep. here's my thing about all-star right all-star shouldn't be worth any money. Like, if there are obviously the contract, um, like, extension stuff is not, is no longer tied to all-star. It used to be if you were uh, an all-star starter, it would affect the Rose Rule stuff. It no longer does. But, like, there yep, are big bonuses and stuff. And, yeah. like, Draymond probably just lost, like, 500 grand because Andrew Wiggins got in undeservedly. Yep. Like, I'm, I'm just willing to say it out loud, undeservedly. No, um, I agree. And,. So then it's, it's a, you look at, um, like, how do I put this? For me, All-Star, like, if you're not, if you're, if you're going to not do, put money on it, like, make All-Star Weekend the weekend you just vote for, like, fun shit. Like, (laughs) Like, what do you mean? Like, completely abstract, is this player the best player? And be like, hmm, is 30-something-year-old Jimmy Butler the best player for this game, or, I, you know, I don't have a, a good, uh, um, like, alternative. Young? But, like, or is Miles Bridges, like, going to be a better player hmm. for this game? Like, if so you wanna all we want to do angle, then. is make the All-Star game the most fun game possible, like, give me LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges in the All-Star game. I don't care that they're not the top, you know, they're not the best players. If that's what we're vo- like, I've had some people be like, ah, but Andrew Wiggins is going to be more fun in the... The thing. So, I kind of, like, I voted for Andrew Wiggins. I'm like, okay. Like, I understand that. That's fine. But why didn't... Why? Draymond
0: would be so much fun if you give him a microphone. <laughs>
1: uh, Draymond should be on the call <laughs> for this. Uh, yeah. But, like, it's just like, okay. It's gonna be sort of, like, is watching Jokic really gonna be that fun? Like, I don't know. It, I, I don't know. Not. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> we, yeah. if, like, what if this was the meme team? What if JaVale McGee was an all-star just because he dunked the shit out of everything? Dude, like... I, if you're not going to take it seriously and if you're going to let fans, like, K-pop brigade your votes, or, like, LeBron James got 9 million votes. mm mm-hmm. uh, Which just, like, blows everyone else out. Nikola Jokic only got 5 million. Like, if you're going to let that be the determiner, like, why not just, like, encourage people to vote for, like, random shit? Make, like, themed all-star games. Like, just go crazy.
0: I would love a two-on-two contest. That's what I always want. Uh, it was just so like so the other all star stuff team.
1: Did you see the rising star shit?
0: Uh yeah, the 3 game tournament thing?
1: Uh yeah, I don't know if it'll be 3 or 4. I don't know if they're going to do like a losers bracket I don't game. What that but yeah. four teams uh, of like players uh like like 15 freshmen, 15 sophomore, but four ignite players and we got Scoot Henderson which <laughs> has me absolutely like ecstatic cuz for people who don't know Scoot is not a current draft pick. He cannot be drafted this year. He is a draft pick for next year. So I did not I I rooted very hard for this, uh but I did not expect it because he's not eligible this year. But Scoot Henderson is like a top 3 draft pick next year. Scoot Henderson is awesome. He's 17 yeah. and he's one of the best guards in the G League. Uh he's a like super athlete. He can shoot, he makes awesome pick and roll plays. Uh, when he wants to defend, he can be a pretty good defender. Um, like he's he's going to be a top three, top five draft pick at at worst next year. Uh, so to have him playing in this Rising Stars game is really fun, um, and I think it's actually a really interesting play for the G League. Um, yeah, because they have like a couple of, of other guys that could have participated um, that aren't part of the elected four, and. It's interesting because this is like, uh, you know, the it's a message that like will promote you as a brand while you're here, right? Which mm-hmm. is a big deal that like, you know, uh, I believe Michael Foster is who's like a, a center for the Ignite, not a guy I'd really consider super draftable, but uh, I don't think he's one of the players. I'd have to double check, but like, Foster would have been a natural choice if all you cared about was putting the guys who are draftable this year on the team because he's draftable this year. But like mm-hmm. the fact that they didn't, the fact that they're giving scoot a little platform to show off on a, on national television is a big deal when you're looking to, to sign other guys to the ignite and you can say like, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to do this for your branding. Even if you're a 17 year old, even if you're going to come here for two years, um, uh, I don't know if you saw yeah. that. Uh, Amani Bates is not going to be at Memphis. He's he's entered the transfer portal and uh, <laughs> may go overseas or whatever. Which, by the way, yeah. uh, good for him. Uh, his family has he and his family have like never made a decision that's good for him in a basketball sense. Uh nope. So I'm just interested to see where this goes. Memphis was always a terrible place for him. Um, yep and it made no sense but hey whatever good for you uh he literally said out loud on oh, I say out loud i think he put a tweet out where someone was like uh how come you didn't go to MSU you know and he was like cuz they didn't pay me and it's yeah. just like okay <laughs> you're going to make millions in the nba my dude like maybe get coached yep. <laughs> like you just but the point is uh tying it back to the ignite if you're someone like him and you're like, I need NBA coaching, but I need to grow my brand. Like the idea that, Hey, next year, the ignite are going to put you in an all-star game. is a big deal. Like that, that's a huge mm-hmm. selling point for someone like Amani. So, uh, a pretty interesting thing. Something I'm actually like legitimately excited for.
0: Can, can I argue that Amani <laughs> peaked when he committed to MSU and has kind of been on a downhill slide ever since? Uh,
1: was that fair to say? Uh, peaked i don't know um
0: like his it was, value peaked i would say like i feel like he was like number one recruit can't miss next kevin durant and then proceeded the next i mean so year of basketball and the, the so thing, on and so forth the thing the thing about
1: amani is that everyone was like this dude's generationally awesome when he was 14 yeah and he stopped growing and if you listen to any mm-hmm. of the guys who like are actually watching high school scouting and, and doing their scouting there Uh, all of them were basically like, yeah, we've just been sliding Imani in our draft boards for like the last three years because he grew to 6'9 with a 6'9 wingspan or whatever it is, and it stopped there. So like for for a long time, he was the cream of the crop because he was, you know, a shooting guard at, you know, 6'10 or whatever playing against other like freshmen and it just isn't the case anymore and like that's how, uh, you know, um, uh, guy on your wizards you know isaiah todd um yep. who was the michigan commit who ended up going to the ignite was the same way where isaiah todd was a 610 you know point forward for several years and i was like yeah this is currently he's the best dude in the class and he ended up being like the 30th dude in the class because everyone else just finally caught up um so i don't you know like imani's value is still growing right like his stock is still growing because he's going to be a better player next year than he is this year so like certainly that's the case but like his his value relative to his draft class probably not uh he also happens to be like next year's draft class is like as stacked as the cade class like scoot is one of the best guard prospects we've ever had um and by the way, Victor Wembanyama is coming in next year, and Wemby is like seven foot four with like a seven foot thousand wingspan, and does all the things. And it's just like okay, like if you take Chet Holmgren and make him even taller and even longer and even more fluid of an athlete, like Victor's just like out there. So, uh, Amani just got very so unlucky, the tank. and that like Amani would probably. I don't know. I don't know if he'd be a top ten guy this year. He probably would be. He'd probably be a top like seven. I'm looking at the top
0: ten on Tankathon, and I'm seeing a guy from Purdue, Wisconsin, and Iowa. I think he could probably make the top ten.
1: Like he's he's he'd probably be like somewhere between seven and ten this year, and like next year like, when the like, number one next year seven Auburn, is the absolute like, cap he can be. I don't care how improved he's going to get, he's not getting above like seven because there's like five or six guys who are just that insanely good at the start of that draft um all right we'll talk more about draft in in a minute but you've got other stuff on the list before we get there
0: yep i missed my chance to segue in this but draymond signed his quote first of a kind deal with tnt for inside the nba as an active player i couldn't see exactly what the first of its kind i'm assuming it's active player with a deal to like a tv contract but i never saw it explicitly stated out so well, Congrats, and it's, Draymond. Keep yeah I don't know exactly
1: because he's like been doing broadcasting. He's like, been, CJ like McCollum a, has joined I, the the crew and stuff before yeah. so you know and they get paid for that um
0: they get paid but I think this is like a full contract right for, so like, I don't know what the guest appearance
1: yeah I don't know what the, the qualifications what are but like he's very clearly the guy they want to succeed uh like either uh Charles or Kenny um yeah and, like... Well, I don't sleep on Shaq being like, I'm out. <laughs> I think this is Shaq's, like, best and only platform right now, and he loves the attention too much, so...
0: Shaq definitely likes the attention, but he's pretty active on other things. I don't think... Shaq isn't disappearing from the public consciousness if he to Shaq's not trending on Twitter
1: When he, if he's not on Inside the NBA. <laughs> um,
0: he's trending on TikTok with his uh, DJ sets. Yeah, that's different. I'm not uh, even kidding about that.
1: But... Um... <laughs> And, like, good for him. Uh, the, yep. uh, But, like, Draymond and Candace Parker, like, you don't mm-hmm. need to give me anybody else. Just give me a host, Draymond exactly. and Candace Parker. And I'm, like, those two are so good at that stuff. Uh,
0: Once we put EJ's head in a jar, we'll just stick <laughs> him up there and we'll be good.
1: Yeah, I don't know who those the three. guy to, to take EJ's spot will be. That'll be the interesting one because that's, uh, I don't know that they're ever going to go as, uh, off the wall again, because, like, it's great now, uh, and, like, Mm -hmm. you want to keep that same energy, but also, uh, I think their producers and their legal team are probably, like, shitting bricks every single broadcast. (laughs) That legal team
0: has not paid enough money. I don't know, maybe you
1: bring, like, Kevin Garnett in as, like, the third guy to just, like, add some crazy... The legal team says not a chance. We have
0: too, we have too much KG as it is. I mean, they
1: gave him his own like room and spot for a while. <laughs> I
0: don't know. I don't know how that happened. I mean, think was- he was supposed to be on the main set, and they were like, "Nah, this is too much. We got to move you somewhere else."
1: At Paul Pierce while we it.
0: All right, so quick running through Jokic uh, and Embiid players of the month for January. I don't know why I added that. It just looked like something at the time. Your boy Stanley Johnson, two-year deal with the Lakers, kicking ass. How do you feel?
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> checking the I was right boxes once again, because Stanley Johnson just now plays like what I asked Stanley Johnson to play like five years ago. And, Oh, look, it works when he's not parked in a corner to shoot threes. Crazy how that works. It's great. Uh,
0: the, uh, the Stanley Johnson versus justice Winslow debate rains on. It it's just keeps going still here. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> never going to end I think.
1: <laughs> trade deadline, February 10th. I don't, I'm, I'm so deadlined out. Arsenal deadlined me will, out all the way. <laughs>
0: yeah. That was embarrassing. So at least we got the, you got a bombing along the line, which you were happy about. I was sad to see him go, but it made sense. I, um, I will,
1: I'm sad to see him go. And like, thanks for the memories. But also, like, there's something to be said for just resolving things. And yeah, just getting it over with. Yeah. It
0: needed to happen. Um, with the trade deadline, I will say. I don't think the Pistons will be as active as people expect. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they keep Jeremy Grant, but I do think they will make at least one trade. I, I think can someone guarantee will go make a trade.
1: Troy yeah, Weaver's yeah, been the not... most like the single yeah. most active <laughs> GM in the league since he got the job. They will be making trades. Uh and I'm yeah. I think Grant is probably gone, but um I we'll, think he'll we'll probably go. I will not be shocked before the deadline uh was that next wednesday two wednesdays Next thursday next thursday so we'll do something yep. maybe right before and then maybe we'll have to do like a weekend pot or something afterwards to talk about it. i don't know um we'll see where the schedule good. falls the yep. uh what, what do you have on here i, Why I are we I talking, talking about the bulls I don't know if you ended up saying, saying this like last week, but I, had, shit in my I, Come on, I man. snook
0: in a game of the week, or a game of the weekend, I should say, and this is the Bulls toasting the 76ers, the Bulls lead the East, and the 76ers are tied uh, with the Heat for second, so if you're watching some non-Pistons basketball, that one's on this afternoon, or Sunday afternoon, so.
1: Since when do we talk about non-Pistons basketball? You're a fucking weirdo. I guess just we throwing just something talk there. About national For well, the people, the place, the yeah. This in decades. Jake,
0: hold on. Let's 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 do a quick housekeeping note. Jake sets a section called "Around the League" and expects me to fill it out, and I fill it out with stuff from around the league, and then he gets mad at me it's for putting stuff from around the league. It's been there for a the year
1: league. and a half, and we've used it twice. Like <laughs>
0: <laughs> we've been using this sheet for like three months. What do you want from me?
1: Uh, all right. So let's get back to the Pistons. <laughs> uh, the, I guess the last news bit here is Cade's rookie of the month for January. Well-deserved. woo uh, Yep. <laughs> Josh Giddey is still the rookie of the month for the other conference. Still.
0: November, December, and January. He's gotten it every single month. And I've looked, and, like, there's no one else that really makes sense. Like, there's no early picks of the West besides Jalen Green, who's kind of shit the bend or been hurt for most of the year. I was surprised there wasn't, like, a Herbert Jones. That's the New Orleans
1: guy, right? Yeah.
0: But I'm like, surprised he didn't get it for January just to switch it up. Defense doesn't
1: yeah. win no. Player of the Month awards, and that's Herb Jones' I mean, thing.
0: He was actually doing decent offensively as well. Not like Giddy's setting the world on fire. I love Giddy. i got to preface that. I like Giddy a lot. But I'm like, how has he gotten it every single month? But there's no, no competition. so <laughs> It's the flowing rocks.
1: All right. So I guess the one thing we spent last week giving a little bit of props to Cade... So I guess we want to take mm-hmm. a few minutes this week and just give some props to Sadiq. Uh, I know I certainly was really hard on him to start the year. Um, I was on the Lockdown podcast a couple times talking about how uh, how rough he was doing. He's mm-hmm. really made huge strides uh, basically ever since Jeremy went out. Yep. Coincidentally, that, uh, he had a really <laughs> bad game the day Jeremy came back. I don't know. Uh, but like just consolidating his game, being way more efficient, Um, making smarter decisions inside the arc, really starting to see the floor as a passer a little bit more. Um, Like, every little thing is ticking up, ticking up, ticking up, uh, exactly what you want. Like, I've said before, I'm really frustrated that Dwayne Casey gets a reputation for, like, being a player development guy because we basically don't have any successes to point to here in Detroit. And, like, this stretch from Sadiq is, like, the best example of a guy under casey's tenure who's like making leaps and they're not Mm -hmm. just like oh it's a freshman figuring out the league leaps but it's like hey like these are decision making leaps these are processing leaps this is a guy who's not just uh um you know not just getting used to the speed of the game but also like seeing new things and using new skills using like whole new dribble moves um you know, he still can't really, like, take on guys off the dribble when they're, like, sagging off him. But he's, like, completely rebuilt himself as a guy in triple threat. If you come up to him, uh, he's he's pivoting into angles and, like, getting his first step now using, using like, Carmelo Anthony triple threat moves. That wasn't there last year. <laughs> like, that wasn't even yeah. close to there. And now he's getting three, four drives a game off these actions. Uh, you know, just... That's a huge step for him to figure that out, even though his, like, shooting is, is, like, mediocre. On the season, he's still only, uh, I think he's 34%, and, like, just for reference, Kelly Olenek is, like, 32, and, like, Jeremy Grant's, like, 30, and Killian Hayes is, like, 29-something. So, like, I think he's, like, 4% better than Killian Hayes right now. Like, his shooting is really bad from outside, especially considering who he's, like, his reputation is but in spite of that he's being way more productive because he's getting to the line he's like doing all these little things and it's just really really good to see at least one guy make you know big strides forward for once
0: yeah and, I, and like you said i think the biggest stride forward for sneak this year has been attacking which is something that i think we've talked on a lot we've talked it in the off season we talked it during the year and it's something that Like, this year Sadiq's three-point shooting has gone 38% last year, which, let's be honest, it was probably a little bit high. I don't don't think I'd expect him to make over, like, a third of his three-point shots, so it was a little bit high. This year it's kind of gone back to life at 33%, so back to maybe a little bit below where we expect, but kind of more in line. But the thing that I like most about him is that he's gone, he's taken double the amount of two-point shots than he had last year, and he's shooting them at about the same percentage. Last year at 45, this year at 44.4. 4. And especially, I'm still trying to pull up the stats to get the exact amount, uh, but I feel like over the month, or since Jeremy has gone out, he's also taken an even bigger step forward in terms of taking those shots and making even more. I don't have the exact percentage up, so bear with me on that. But the other thing that has really taken a step forward uh, when Jeremy has gone out has been those free throws. Yep. He's, he's now sh- he's now shooting almost four game. Whereas last year he was shooting two, and he started out this year shooting probably just above that. So he, that shows he shot the two a game right
1: for the first 24, 25 games, and he's shot like four games since. That's a huge mm-hmm. leap. Um, you know, that's not totally, uh, What? how do I put it? It's not like it's just that his touches have increased, so his like free throws have increased. Like His decisions have changed in a meaningful way, you don't just make two free throws out of thin air. Like, that's not, uh, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, that's just one shooting foul, you know, or just maybe two shooting fouls. Like, that's actually a big, like, people don't understand Mm -hmm. that, like, if you average six free throws a game, you're already at, like, uh, the top third of the league in free throw attempt rate. Like, that's a big deal. Um, You know, we think, like, James Harden is crazy for uh, how many free throws he gets in, like, a good James Harden game is, like, 11. So just, like, going up two free throws, doubling your free throw rate is actually a huge deal. Uh, so, yeah, like, it's it's really good to see.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And as you said, a lot of his uh, improvement this year has been with Jeremy Grant out. So we'll get a good indication here over the next couple weeks if this was something that, or excuse me, I should say over the next week, To see if this is the difference between not having Jeremy Grant there and kinda taking the ball away, not letting Sadiq get into the spots that he wants to get. Or if it is just an improvement that he's made and he can play around someone like Jeremy. Which will be really interesting with the trade deadline coming and Jeremy possibly going out. To kinda get see if he can play with someone like a Jeremy Grant, or even Jeremy Grant, or if we need someone who needs the ball a little bit less to play around him for him to be successful. This goes back to your point about Mosaic and everything else.
1: Um how many games do we have There's until the trade deadline? Third versus Minnesota, the fourth versus Boston, the sixth at Minnesota. We get four. <laughs> so four we get the... four trial dates to like prove that you can do this. Um I'm just curious like we've seen him nominally as a four in the stretch without Jeremy. Uh do you think positionally that's like, having an impact on him, or do you think it's just, like, the amount of touches, you know, do you think, like, I think where just, he is as a three on the floor is changing anything?
0: I don't think it's, like, him being a three versus being a four, for me personally, from what I've seen. I just think it's more with someone like a, you know, Hami on the floor versus Jeremy. He's able to get into the spots he wants more, because Hami can kind of move, he'll move around a little bit more, he's cutting a little bit more, he's not standing in one spot as much as Jeremy does, so. I mean, like I said, we we'll, we have to see how they play together because they have not played the best together this year, although they played pretty good last year together. So we'll see what the actual impact is, but I hope it's not their game, but I, I fear it might be. their are two games intersecting a little bit, and them both wanting to be at the same spot to do their offense.
1: It's interesting you say they played better together last year. I haven't looked it up, but I wonder how much of like what we remember from last year's Sadiq actually came with I think... Jeremy
0: i'd be curious to see how they did together versus off i think a lot of it them playing together better last year is Sadiq was hitting more threes like we said and he was able to he wasn't needing the ball as much as he's needed it this year and he's kind of taken it in a step forward in that regard and like needing the ball needing to go to the rim and showing that he can do that versus last year where he didn't do it nearly as much and i'm sure cade factors in that a lot too like cade's taking the ball a lot as well so yeah I'm just, I, to see. I can't
1: remember off the top of my head with how many games Jeremy missed last year. Cause like he sat out with the fake injury, like 20. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just like, I don't I remember mean, enough, well enough I without think, studying it, how much like that changed. I think Sadiq's it probably role. like
0: 15, 20 games at the end of the year or something like that. So, but I mean, Sadiq was pretty good the entire year. Obviously he got better as the year went on, um, in terms of being a full all around player, but. I don't know. That's it's a very philosophical debate, I feel like.
1: <laughs> I don't know how i that. We have stats. We can find out. I just haven't looked at it.
0: Well, it's, it's philosophical because I haven't looked up the stats. So I <laughs> okay. My philosophy I'm is to look go at go the off stats. I got it. <laughs> exactly. Well, my, my philosophy is look at the stats when you have the time, but I don't have the time to look at the stats, so I've got to figure it out on the fly and go off memory.
1: <laughs> All right. You ready to move into draft stuff? Your or is there something things? else you wanted,
0: to, you wanted to hit? You're good? All right. Let's jump right in. We've okay. got a lot to do in the draft.
1: We we have a lot to do. And we will, uh, we're will. we going to talk about a whole bunch of guards today. A um, whole bunch. We're going to talk about uh, Jade Ivey again. We touched on him before, but we'll, we'll do a quick recap. We're going to talk about Johnny Davis, Ben Matherin, uh, Adrian Griffin Jr., or AJ Griffin, uh, and Ty Ty Washington. And we'll go into more depth and detail on these guys, I'm sure, later. But I want to bring them all together because I kind of want to talk about like what archetypes uh, and 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 what they what they are, but more importantly, like what we feel fits best for this team. If you were to end up drafting a guard, Um, Mm -hmm. so let's let's start with the the different prospects, right? So we talked about Jaden Ivey, kind of your Westbrookian athlete, right? Like just a freak athlete when it comes to, to uh explosion but also like chaos incarnate. Like I yep. don't remember how much I meant what you know what I said to be honest with you on that podcast, but like Ivy is one of those guys he <laughs> goes up for a floater and it looks like he's riding a bicycle in midair. Like his legs just <laughs> that do is a beautiful visual. shit. Um like when you think of like your perfect like scoop layup, like a Dwayne Wade scoop you know, in this beautiful, like, line from the ball down to the tips of your toes as, like, you extend out. Like, when Jaden Ivey does a scoop layup, first of all, he never does a scoop layup. Second of all, he only, like, he doesn't do them because when he tries, his whole torso just goes flying apart. And, like, reconstitutes underneath the rim after he falls. There's, just, like, he's just, everything about him is just, like, unharnessed energy being thrown around and sometimes it ends up in games where he's like 25 10 and 10 or something and like you're like oh my god this is the best player in the draft and sometimes you're like wow that's that's a lot (laughs) it's just a lot uh you know so he's all transition all rim pressure all kickouts um you know maybe some defensive potential but like it's not as like realized as you would hope you know so in ivy you have this guy who's like a two guard you know that that kind of fakes being a one guard in transition but like isn't a half court guy right so like I'm trying to think mm-hmm. of like do you can you think of a player now that you think like fits that archetype
0: that's like more of a half court score not really doing or more, not much more of a half transition
1: court not much half court and like it's all chaos
0: maybe I'm watching too much Pistons basketball but Hami seems to fit the bill for that a lot
1: And so Hami's interesting cause like uh, I don't like Ivy's shot but like yeah. he's shooting well and Hami just can't shoot so like yeah. but the other thing is Hami has just like outstanding balance and body control like mm-hmm. Ivy never yeah. does those sweeping like finishes like he's falling around and like he just like uh like the John Wall type athlete is not who he is Right. Like, if you think, if you picture in your mind the difference between like peak John Wall and peak Russell Westbrook and like how they move, like, he's very much on the Westbrook side of that spectrum. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to think of like what that is in the NBA. Maybe it's like an early Oladipo type thing. Um, Yeah. You know, but like, not a guy who's going to get you 10 assists a game, a guy who's going to get you four assists a game, you know. Lots yeah. of, I mean, know. I
0: think early like college, Lolo Depot is definitely who I think of when I see Jaden Ivy. Now that you mention it, I okay. see that a lot.
1: All right, so then we move on to Johnny Davis, and Johnny Davis is the exact opposite. All right, so Johnny Davis is all about we <laughs> don't say
0: he goes to Wisconsin. He, <laughs> of course, it's he's, gonna be form over function. Well, or uh, he's he's around. all
1: about functional. like functional athleticism. He's not a bad athlete, but he's not anywhere near the level of Skywalker that Ivy is, but. Uh, he's much better about, like, staying on balance. And, you know, like, he's a better defender because he just, like, stays on balance and moves his feet and, you know, stays strong through contact. He's a much better shooter. I don't... He's got some, like, really, really funky stuff in his shot where, like, his wrist cocks... Funny, I think I mentioned this on another pod, but, like, his wrist cocks inward, and then at the very last second as he brings it up... Yeah. He flicks it out in like, a line, And if you only snapshot that moment... You're like, oh, that's a great looking shot. And if you snapshot like anything before that, you're like, oh, that's like there's some How stuff. How does this work? <laughs> there's some stuff in there. Um, and actually, he's really interesting in that he uh his guide hand gets behind the ball on him. So like his his wrist will like flex so far that the ball would like roll off his fingertips, so he has to like put his guide hand behind it. Uh lots of funky stuff with him, but the dude is making everything in mid-range. He's just, Mm he's, he's, he's like, uh, like if CJ McCollum was like six, five, and you just had this guy who just like makes crazy amounts of off the dribble, mid range shots, just a really smooth shot maker, but also like he's six, five, much stronger than your CJ McCollum and like actually plays good defense. That's where you're at with Johnny Davis. So also again, though, not your playmaker, not your point guard. Right, very much a -hmm. a secondary guard, but one that's on the ball a lot, doing a lot of self-created offense. Um, And then we have a guy in Ben Matherin, right? He's your prototypical three-and-D guy, (laughs) two-dribble limit. (laughs) You are not (laughs) allowed to dribble. Uh, Great athlete in like like north-south sense. Pretty good defender who's like overrated for what. like he gets the three and D, you know, archetype moniker, but like isn't actually that good a defender. Um, but is a good enough athlete that like he makes impact defensive plays and stuff. And like will, pr- if he wants to be a good NBA defender, he's got the tools. Um, but like easily the 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 guy you can pigeonhole the fastest. Like Ben Matherin is your your Danny Green, your your Contavious Caldwell Pope, a little bigger than those guys, but like mm-hmm. that's what he does. And then we get to, I think, the two guys that are maybe the hardest to to pin down in AJ Griffin and Ty Ty Washington. And I, let, let's go to Ty Ty first, because I think Ty Ty is.
0: <laughs> you want to save your favorite for last?
1: I don't know how to talk about AJ Griffin because all my comparisons are of players that are like really good in different ways. And I, so we'll get to AJ in a second. But so Ty Ty is like an awesome mid range shooter um also a kentucky guard we take all kentucky guards with grains of salt because yep. calipari <laughs> uh but like a really good mid-range shooter who isn't a great three-point shooter so some like uh terry's maxi stuff to him there yeah no, i was literally this, thinking maxi i'm like sounds uh, like maxi he he like fits in various defensive holes without being a great defender in any single role and he's like a really good connective passer without being like a guy who makes great reads. So Ty Ty is this guy that you just like plug in to spaces and he just like does good things in spaces without ever really excelling enough where you're like this dude has to be a nailed on starter. Like I don't think anybody's going through um, like right away and being like Ty Ty Washington is my favorite player on my team. Right. Like I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen, but I do think he's going to have a long career as like a guy who's just like really valuable uh, especially next to other players, that, like other stars. Um, and so mm-hmm. he, he's kind of fun in that way. But then we get to AJ Griffin. And he's my, one of my favorites, in part because the dude is built like a dump truck. Yeah, he is so freaking <laughs> a- big. AJ Griffin is one of those dudes who's Baby super Zion. strong. And also like just like walks and moves and stands like a cowboy in a spaghetti western. Like, <laughs> you you can see it, right? Like, the, the legs yep. that are about uh, bowed out from riding too much horseback. Tree
0: trunks. When, yep. he,
1: when he shoots, he's the only player I've ever seen who's actually, like, AJ is currently shooting well over 40% for three, where he shoots and his shot base is, like, a full two feet wider than his shoulders. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a, a core and stuff that reminds me of watching, like, Jimmy Butler. Like, it's just all bulk muscle. He's a freak athlete um, who translates it with, like, a lot of fluidity. Also, uh, so, like, he's a really good shooter, but his shooting form is really weird and probably not suited to off-movement shooting. But he's not good at dribbling. But, (laughs) so, like, you're like, okay, he can't shoot off-movement, he can't shoot off-dribble, so does he just have to spot up? Well, no, because he's also an awesome cutter who can finish around the rim. And... uh, so he just he ends up with this like really interesting mix of like he can't do this but he can do this really well and he can't do this but he can do this really well and but they're but none of them are like f- normal archetypes and then you look at him on defense and you're like okay he's still not making decisions super fast but again he looks like Jimmy Butler and he's had like the five five of the five best closeouts I've seen all year are all AJ Griffin yep. closeouts. Uh, He's my The best favorite, way I would describe
0: like, AJ Griffin is I see like the be- like you like if you had all these guys in a layup line at the beginning of the game and and someone goes one of these guys is going to play in the NBA you go AJ Griffin every single time yes yeah, if, if, if you are picking if you
1: are picking an all star out of this lineup you're picking AJ yep. Griffin and if you watch any of them like shoot you're probably picking probably picking Ben Matherin ben. as the ben best Johnny, shooter uh, by form. Despite Johnny's weird shot. <laughs> but if you watch them in games, you'd think that Adrian Griffin is the best shooter in the class because he's shooting like 44% on threes or something ridiculous. Uh, My thing is, from watching him, like his his game, his shot, like, literally
0: just, I just see little Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. Like, right. The comparison is so I, and, spot and on. And you know that
1: I love... Jimmy Butler.
0: You know I love Jimmy Butler. I got a Jimmy Butler jersey hanging over there. Do you? I, I did not know you had Butler. a Jimmy Butler jersey.
1: We love it Jimmy Butler.
0: It is a Butler. 76ers jersey that I found for cheap.
1: So I guess my question is, which of these archetypes do you value most? Do you value the guys like Ivy and Johnny Davis who are probably going to be spikier in terms of production? Do you value someone like Tai Ty... Ty or Matherin, who's like going to be a much more consistent player, but probably not have the spikes. Do you value something like AJ Griffin, where like we're not totally sure what level of consistency in production you're going to have? Because he's been very consistent in college, but like projecting I mean, him is <laughs> crazier than I all think. The with rest something
0: like this, the first thing I always look for when you're going for a top five pick, no matter where they are, is the limitless potential. And I think AJ Griffin is the one to me that sells that the most secondly i like to go for someone who maybe is up and down in college and maybe may not have the best this is like i said this is top five this is beginning the lottery after that i'm going for someone who has the up and down has the potential you can see the sparks and flashes where it's like this guy if he just puts it all together gets the right coach gets in the right system he can do it because i feel like in the MBA, not as many players do it, but a lot of them have the opportunity to put that all together. The inconsistent college players. So, in that case, I'm taking Ivy. I'm taking. Uh, you're saying Johnny Davis as well with that, or?
1: Yeah, I would. Uh, I further. would say yeah. just just for maybe people's reference, if you go to most draft boards right now, it's Ivy and Johnny Davis somewhere at four and five. AJ Griffin mm-hmm. may be closer to seven or eight. Uh, Matherin may be a little behind him, and Ty Ty a little behind him.
0: Yeah. I will say the one that I put last has got to be Ty-Ty, because he's a little bit kind of the undersized, he's the scorer. I just see his ceiling much like I did when we were in the Donovan Mitchell-Luke Kennard debate, where Luke, I feel like his best role is going to be a six-man off the bench. And I still feel like that watching him play in LA. So I think Ty-Ty kind of fits into that role where he's just microwave offense, unless he learns how to play the point guard, he's going to have troubles being a starter in the NBA. So... That's but, personally how I feel. So, I feel like that's so, a very but divisive But what if I tell
1: though. you you've already got a heliocentric star on your team? I mean, you do. Well, well and, so, so what if what if I tell you that you're Dallas, and you're Dallas and you've ended up with the eighth pick, and let's say that Ivy and Johnny Davis are off the board, because they're kind of the two consents, and you've got a pick between Matherin, Griffin, and Ty-Ty.
0: I am yeah, a gambler, so let's, I'd always pick let's, Griffin let's first. T- let's, take so. Griff-
1: <laughs> let's take Griffin off the board. Take Griffin off right? the then let's, I'm going Ben Mathur easily. That, so you're, it's not even, you're going Mathurin.
0: Yeah. Now, especially in the example you gave me, like I see Jalen Brunson as someone who fits into the Ty Ty Washington role maybe a little bit better than Ty Ty will, because I really love Jalen Brunson, and I don't know why he's getting rumored to be traded personally, but that's not here. Because they don't have money. But I think
1: he's, he's going to ask for $20-25 million, and they don't have it.
0: I think Cuban's going to be fine paying the tax. They can go. They have his bird rights. They can go for it. So, personally, I think Ben Matherin in that spot all day, if it's between someone who I see flexing out as like a six-man off-the-bench role, I already have, like you said, the Heliocentric scorer and Luka, Dav- Luka Doncic Davis. John Davis. If you already have a Luka Doncic on your team, I'm not trying to get someone else who needs the ball in his hands to be successful. I'm looking for someone who can play off the ball, play good defense, see, maybe I'm, not I'm have the highest like ceiling. but
1: staunchly the opposite of you here. I know you are. Where like, like we talked I, about this I, before. I look at someone like Ty Ty and I say this is a dude who's going to make the swing pass right. Like he's going to catch it and he's going to make the right pass. Whereas, like the other guys may make it, but I think they're. I think almost all of them are going to be slower to make. Like they're all going to look to get theirs before they make the swing pass. And Ty tai Ty's going to be like, nope, there's a shooter in the corner. I'm just going to give it to the shooter in the corner. And I mean, you know, I, think I think with th- that, I
0: want Luca being the one with the ball making that decision. But, more than I want it but, so, to be. So, so
1: Luca and in Porzingis run a pick and roll, and they collapse mm-hmm. the defense, and you make a kickout. You know, there's there's two things you want. You want the guy you kick out to to be a good scorer himself, but you also need yeah. him to be able to make the right decision if he gets closed out on. And I mean,
0: the person that you're describing is Clay Thompson, and I feel like I trust Ben Matherin to be more of that than I do Ty Ta. Well,
1: personally. I like I don't know that Ben is going to be Clay. Like, if it's Danny I don't, Green, I don't think any of them are going to be. Right? Like, yeah. like, like, pick a role player. Like, if it's Danny Green, and the problem with Ty Ty is like I don't have in my head. Um, I don't have the right comparison player for him. Um, maybe like a. I'm almost saying, like a Desmond Bain type, or, like. He's a a guy that, like, he can run a pick-and-roll and and hit pull-ups all day long. I think he'll be a decent three-point shooter. He's going to be undersized, but, like, if you add some ball-handling craft... Like, Ben Matherin, I'm not kidding, strict two-dribble limit does not pass. That's fine of me. (laughs) I have Luka Doncic. (laughs) But what if you, like... Like, Luka still needs Tim Hardaway Jr. to hit shots and make shots. Like... We, mm-hmm. we all sit... Like, Luka Doncic is one of the single most heliocentric players in the league. But, like, Luka still only uses, like, 70% of his team's possessions when he's on the... Like, 30% of it has to be created by someone else. And you can either have see, a guy who just puts up a shot, or you have a guy who understands how to cross somebody over and get to a mid range and make a kick out or something.
0: I mean, that's fine, but I just don't see, like... These guys are all putting them in as wing players, like as a two, and even if you're putting like, but like Luca at point. Let me stop or, you there though, like, because like if Tai-Tai, I'd rather just have the three and D. Wing, you, you say Tai is okay. a two,
1: but like if you have a tall wing, that's your actual point guard. He's you're guarding point guards, point. like he's a like he's a point guard who isn't a real point guard. Like a lot, like Lonzo Ball isn't the right comparison because Lonzo's an all defense no like guy, but like. It's the, it's the would you rather have Alonzo Ball, Alex Caruso type where, like, they're not on the ball all the time but they can do smart things and contribute or do you just want Danny Green in the corner? And for me, I always I want a guy it, who, like, provides a bunch of makeup. pluses around. But I don't know. I, 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 guess, I think
0: I like the positional flexibility of having someone like a, like a Ben Mathurin, like a 3 and D guy who can play at the 2, he could probably play at the 3. You can put Luca at the one, two, three. It doesn't really matter. And you can still bring in another ball handler to play with those two. Or you can just have Luca have the ball and have another 3D wing. And just well, say you guys might have sir, one What two.
1: about defensively? You still need somebody who can guard a point guard sized player.
0: I mean, that's fine. I'm trusting that either if Ben Mathen is the the defender we think he is, that he should nope. be able to at least you, slow them down can't somewhat. Expe- you can't or expect you can put him with another point player. guard. What you put him with a you put him with a Corey Joseph and you go Corey right, Luka. and this is your Matthew. this
1: is your chance to just draft the Corey Joseph.
0: I'd rather just I think there's a lot more of those types in the league than there are the three and D guys. Really? I think so. I think every team has one or two guys who can handle the ball. There's a there's so many point guards in today's NBA. I'm like there's very few there's much smaller amount of three and D wings. So, personally, I'm going to take those guys That's all day That's not
1: long. true. I'm going I'm to say it this way. <laughs> there is more 3 and D players, or more wings, because 3 and D, like, actual 3 and D players are super rare, right? There's more people yeah. that pretend to be 3 and D, like, fake 3 and D guys, than anything it's else. It's 3 and,
0: like, I'll try at D. Yeah, uh, don't get me wrong, but I'm still saying or those actual 3 and D 3s. players. And I think Ben has the potential to be that more than I see Ty Ty being the... I don't know. Someone who can... Uh, take Luca's responsibility off... Like, take him off the ball sometimes. And take the ball away from Luca and kind of run the offense. But I trust see, that... this is where... Like, I don't
1: a- want him to run the offense. I want him to be able to make good decisions out of the secondary offense. Because I think this is the thing that a lot of people get screwed up on when they look at prospects, is they go, well, what's he going to do in the regular season when Luca's carrying the ball? And, like, you can build the team for the regular season, that's fine. But in the playoffs... Luca gets the ball and he gives it up, and someone, you know, the team they're playing is well drilled, and they actually make defensive rotations. And you know, Luca may leverage something within the offense, but somebody else has to make the next play. And the problem that so many of these teams run into, like the the Rockets from uh, the Harden era days, right? They're, you just surround them with three and D wings, and it, you know, they just eat up possessions in the regular season, no problem. They get to the playoffs, and it's like, oh shit, we have to have Chris Paul. We have to have somebody else here, because otherwise, they just, you know, they they hunt down Harden, and all of a sudden, we realize that we just ma- forced ourselves to have PJ Tucker beat somebody. Like, that's what you're trying to avoid. It's just trying to make your wing, you know, be the guy that beats the other team.
0: I mean, I don't know. I just think the comparison that you're making there is too high of a stretch, and I think you can't trust that ty is going to develop into someone who can take that pressure off in the same way you can finding someone else. Personally, that's why I think I just... I'm always hesitant about drafting these guys, because the tweener, like, one and two dude who's not quite... You know, you, you don't really want him carrying the offense as the point guard, and he's probably an overqualified, you know, second person, but he's still undersized, and he still runs on the same problems there. I just... Personally, I'd rather just go and sign them because I feel like it's a bigger bust rate at the top of the draft versus a three and D guy. That if you hit them right, is you can play them with anyone. You have the lineup flexibility to put anyone alongside them. I just feel like the ceiling is higher with nailing a three and D guy than with nailing someone who's a, you know a secondary ball handler.
1: I think that's the exact opposite. I think I think if you are drafting a three and D guy, what you are trying to do is is set your floor. I think you are actively, uh, I think you are actively selling your ceiling in order to try and set a floor. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm, I, I think I'm a bigger proponent than most people of saying that you need to establish a floor. But I think I think you're you are backwards in that the best teams are ones that have multiple ball handling. I think to
0: go up on the maps, the best example of this was when they traded Seth Curry to get. Uh... Richardson and the hope Josh richardson's in the hope that he would be the three and D wing guy around them, and that backfired because he's been awful. But then they found Jalen Brunson. Like I feel like you can find the I secondary ball handler. I feel like that's handlers, a
1: bad comparison because they just were idiots. Like and, like getting rid
0: of. I mean I agree getting rid of Seth Curry was not, like that's it, not the like, smartest idea. Like but I see what Josh they were trying Richardson to do.
1: Richardson is like a good player, but like. Seth Curry is actually a good example of, like, what Ty-Ty could be with, like... Obviously, he's a, a, a categorically better three-point shooter. But, like, Seth Curry is a guy who, like, defends point guards and can do a little bit of ball handling. And he can come around to DHO and, and hit mid-range. And he can come around and he can shoot a catch-and-shoot three. You never actually ask Seth Curry to, like, initiate your offense. But yeah. after Joel Embiid does some crazy shit and kicks it up to Seth Curry when you close out to Seth Curry, good things happen because he'll pump and he'll do something fun with the ball. And you probably end up with good offense. Whereas if you do, if you, if you put Danny green in the same positions, like Danny green's helping you a little more defensively, but he's not as good an offensive player, right? If you, if you get Danny green to run off the line, you're kind of done. You just have to like make sure that, that you've got like somebody like my size at the rim and you've pretty much finished the play.
0: I don't know. It's a difference in opinion. Personally, I'd just, I'd rather have the person who is lineup flexible, can play defense. He's not a liability on offense. than I do someone who maybe a little bit.
1: See, I think you're underselling Ty-Ty here, because Ty-Ty is not I, a liability. Like I, I think
0: that. I'm not saying he's a li. I'm saying this is the kind of guy that I want to get. Is a guy who's not a, who's not a liability on offense. He can play good defense. He can shoot threes. You can put him in the offense. He has the flexibility. And I'd rather just try and go get someone. When you have someone like Luka Doncic, either via trade, because I feel like I feel like there's more guys than you think there are that can handle the ball in this league. Personally, I think that's there are our plenty biggest of guys
1: difference. who can hand, who are ball handlers. Very few of them are players that coaches want to put on the floor in a playoff series because most of them are shit defensively. You can find Corey Joseph anywhere, right? You can find your DJ Augustines all over the place. Does anybody actually want to see them in even the freaking play-in game? No. <laughs> now, I mean, on the and, counterpoint, point, and I'm not saying You don't that, exactly
0: want to have a P.J. Tucker sit out there either, because obviously this year he's been pretty good offensively, but we've seen in the playoffs time and time again that having that, you know, that wing player who can't know, score just really stopped the
1: P.J. Tucker playing a lot of minutes.
0: That's also Giannis and a whole bunch of other stuff. I don't Right,
1: but but that was, that's. I think that's the wrong way to look at it, though, because... Once you get past the top couple picks, right, you are looking not to get a star. You can't count on on the, the sixth pick being a star. I don't think you could say that anymore.
0: There's been so many great late draft picks. Look at a Donovan Mitchell. Look at a, look at a Giannis. Like, there's always okay, people but for, in the for, end for of the lottery. Single, for every Devin single Booker. one of
1: those, there are a dozen busts.
0: That's you, fine. You I'm fine taking that risk. But you can't be. You, you know who takes a lot more pressure off? A Luka Doncic is going to be a Donovan Mitchell or a Devin Booker, than it is someone else. So,
1: See, like I'm but, fine. But like Donovan Mitchell was a was a, a scouting mistake by a lot of people. Archetypically, he should have gone a lot higher. Like, the question is that could happen with other people
0: as well. It's not like it's a, it's not like uh, it's in statistical improbability that someone that came in the late lottery is going to. That it's should a have been drafted statistical
1: probability like, that somebody who comes in the' late like lottery is going to come in every and single draft be there's the best rookie in the in his class
0: Donovan Mitchell himself is yes I'm saying him individually yes but there are people like him in every single draft
1: yes but you can't this is see that is a logical fallacy you cannot assume that every that you're just gonna draft that the player you drafted at 12 because he fell to 12 is going to be a star.
0: I'm not right? saying I'm assuming it. I'm but, saying I want to take that chance.
1: But see, that's that's the wrong way to go about it because what you should be doing is looking at players and figuring out which ones should be the stars and they should just be at the top of your board. You don't grab guys lower on the board and just push them to the top because they might be a star and cuz they they're, like that's not you don't just like pretend that you find money on the board.
0: I'm just saying I draft more for potential than I do based off, you know, what I think this guy will be right now, which I feel like is, I want to look at the guys so that I can be like, five years down the road, I can see him being one of the, making a large improvement. And I feel like with a 3 and D guy, the hope is a little bit higher. No, with someone who has but the, th-
1: this, the, this is what I'm saying. If you have a guy who's a 3 and D guy in college, a guy who is like not able to accept a bigger role in college, there are very few examples of those players being able to take on any larger scale of role in the NBA. Like, Paul George, the reason Paul George is such a fun story, in addition to, like, he's good, but, like, Paul George rebuilt his handle. The hardest thing to develop at uh, at the professional level. The handle is by far the hardest thing to develop because you basically have to retrain, not just, like, the muscle memory of, like, using the ball, like, actually dribbling. You have to, like, retrain your body to think about, like, where you can attack in space and, like, how you can maneuver through space with the ball. And it's a totally different... Like it's it, that is so much harder than rebuilding a shot, for example. Mm-hmm. Paul George be, going from like a three and D guy who was like just a big wing to a ball handling star is like the rarest of rarities. You look at someone like uh, like a Kawhi. Kawhi was already doing ball handling stuff in college, so he became he he figures out how to shoot yeah. and it unlocks all the stuff. This thing was shooting, yeah. But he but he had a baseline of already actually being a really smart, crafty player. He just needed the shooting. When you look at someone like a Ben Matherin, he doesn't have passing chops or ball handling chops. So the two things that are the hardest to develop at the pro level, he doesn't have. So when you say you think he's got a higher ceiling, what you're telling me is that you somehow think that he's going to shoot and defend and just those two things to such a high enough level that he's going to overcome guys who have like better skill frameworks spread out and i think that's like a really dangerous way to draft because there are a lot of athletes right there are a lot of athletes who can theoretically shoot but there are not a lot of athletes who can theoretically shoot theoretically defend and also put the ball on the floor right the g league is full of guys who can dunk the shit out of the ball and shoot and like your your kj mcdaniels is but kj mcdaniels doesn't play smart basketball, so he never gets into the league, and that's I think the the risk is that you you're betting on skills that look good, but if they don't like if you can't figure out how they scale. You know you can be the best true three and D player in the league, but like you're not special until you like uh, Malik um, Bridges right or Mikal Bridges excuse me Mikal like. The thing that turns him from just a wing to, like, oh, my God, we're going to max this player is the fact that he can put the ball on the floor and make smart plays. And, like, he does all this stuff. But he always had that. He's gotten better as a defender and better as a shooter and better as a ball handler and playmaker. But he always had this framework. And if you don't have that framework, you can't, like, that is the one thing you really can't count on NBA players to develop. If they don't have a handle, they don't have a handle. True. True. I think the
0: thing that like I said, the thing I think most about that boils this boils down to is I'm gonna prioritize shooting and defense more than I'm gonna prioritize dribbling and playmaking if I already have someone who excels as a dribble and a playmaker. Dribbler and a playmaker. And I think that's where the difference is. You prioritize the dribbling and the playmaking and the you know, the the skill on ball. Whereas I prioritize more the ability to play off the ball and not rely on the ball and hands all the time. I think
1: that especially this is, in that part of the lottery. I think this is like a, a math problem where uh, the three and D guy is a is a like a multiplier, right? So you're like I pair I pair um, you know my my heliocentric star with a couple three and D wings in a, a rolling center. And, like, they all multiply what my heliocentric star does. And I get, you know, good production from him. And as long as I've got good production from him, I'm probably going to make the playoffs. And I think the difference... And I'm not
0: saying it needs to be, a, you know, a center that rolls a uh, Luka Doncic or whoever your, like, ball-dominant star is. And, like, three wing and D, or three and D guys. three 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 and D guys.
1: Ugh. Yeah, one, one, and three. Like, I'm something fi- like that. <laughs>
0: I think you definitely have to have another person who's good off the ball, but I don't think it needs to be a starter. I don't. I don't think it needs to be a bench guy, but I feel like there's a lot more need for a three and D guy than three and D guys, than there is for that secondary ball handler. And I just, but so for me personally, I think, think there's my a lot point of secondary that ball that I handlers. I
1: firmly be believe that the secondary ball handler is an exponential thing, because they do things that like accelerate the whole team, and they themselves may not like directly produce like. They they may not put up all the stats. They may not help the main star put up all the stats, but they're going to connect things so that the whole team, you know, collectively puts up something bigger. And I think I mean we, I guess I th- my I th-
0: thing is is when when you have someone who has those abilities, I feel like if they have those abilities and the ability to play defense at a level that you'd like to see starting in the playoffs, they're going to be a top five pick and they're not going to be available down here. Whereas a three and D guy who doesn't have the ball handling chops, doesn't have the playmaking chops, they're usually available in this range a little bit more. Versus if it's, if it's a ball handler and like a dribbler that doesn't have the defense, going to be those are going to be the guys here. I'm not saying Ty-Ty is that guy. I haven't seen, but like, like hardly any Ty-Ty play. But look, I'm just Franz saying Wagner this. Is this a range, great example
1: of this. Right, Franz is is not a superstar when his team is actually good. He's just the most connective player possible. Right? Like, do you want uh, do you want like Aaron Naismith you know, and just like this like shooting guy, or do you want Josh Green? I don't know if you've watched enough of those guys to make a decision but like I much prefer a Josh Green type because like, no, he doesn't shoot the shit out of the ball but he's doing all this stuff defensively and passing and like they're the same sized players and stuff but just give me the guy that I think does more, like, in fewer minutes, does more in smaller roles, but can maybe expand into bigger ones as he gets older. Like, give me that all day, right? Tyrese Maxey, give me that all day. Tyrese Maxey could have gone horribly wrong. Yeah. Right? He, like, the, what, what we saw in college, you, you were betting a lot that Tyrese Maxey wasn't what you saw in college. But if that's the same thing with something like Ty-Ty, all of a sudden he comes out and, like, Tyrese Maxey probably shouldn't be your point guard long-term. Like, not not your like main ball-handling, ball-dominant, takes-all-the-shots point guard. But when you're asking for, like, who's the guy that can play around a post-threat like Embiid and just, like, do a lot of fun stuff catching against an advantage, immediately Maxey jumps up the list way higher than, you know, like a Ben Matherin would.
0: Well, I think for a team like... The 76ers whose main guy is more of a post, more of a big man, then yeah, it's a little bit, it's a different equation for that. I feel like, so that's where I would say, yeah, Maxi is probably going to be a but, better person than I. I don't know who, like a Mikel Bridges. I'd rather have a Maxi type than a well, three and D about, guy.
1: I don't know about that. Bridges uh, not not in the I specifics, like... but I'm but saying like, a player like Maxi like would you rather Maxie, have, have. Maxi or uh, even like Sadiq Bay? I think I'd rather have Maxi on that team. No?
0: I'd rather have Maxi right for the would seven ers Would you
1: rather have that on uh, the Nuggets?
0: I, same same answer. I'd rather have Maxi. The Warriors. Sadiq.
1: See, I think I think I'd rather have Maxi on the Warriors.
0: No, I think I've already, I've already for the got, Warriors. I've like already got a bunch a of wings. W-
1: I've already I've already got a uh, uh, Wiggins. I've already got a Draymond. I've got centers. What's the one thing they don't really have? Oh, right. I'm A saying point if you guard take one and play off of other guys, and like create I some think rim pressure if you and take... be unique in that
0: for the Warriors, if you take like you got to take someone out to put them in. This is the way I'm looking at it. No, if no, I take I'm drafting. out Right. The, the... Okay.
1: But but I mean, just think about it. like the Sixers were good when they got him, right? Yeah. Like. This is this is what I'm saying. Like we're talking about guys that are at the top of the draft, so we're thinking about this in terms of like the top of the draft. But the the secret to the draft is that like once you get past like five in most drafts,
0: yeah, you're it's just, a crapshoot.
1: You're just lucky even, to be there. Like
0: yeah, even the ones before that, it's it's still a crapshoot. Like, like there's no you think about, you're never confident. You
1: think about the Pistons drafting at seven and eight, right? Like in reality those are all lottery picks and we all think of like oh right now right now we're like oh the seventh pick you know that's a good pick but like we've drafted at seven eight a lot of times and like one of the yeah, best yeah. picks you've had in the last like decade is contavious cultural pope yeah right? you can like, ask you just pistons have, about the yeah, seven eight nine picks and it's you not just good. have to like <laughs> think about it in that perspective of like as soon as you're not drafting in prime territory like yes you'll miss on a Devin booker it's gonna like it happens to everyone you can't plan on being the team that gets seven Booker. You luck out in being the team that like had a draft advantage, like had it, you 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 scouted him better, and he was twelfth on your board instead of eighteenth, and you know you picked seventeenth, and that's all that matters. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you end up picking Sekou Dumbia instead of somebody else. Like I, you know, but like you have to think about this as like KCP is a big win. That's you know that's the caliber of player you're drafting. If you end up with a superstar, it's because you you were scouting for KCP plus something, right? You were looking for the little something that turns somebody into KCP plus something. If you're if you all you're doing is scouting and going like I'm going to draft Seiko Dumbia because he might turn out to be a big thing, he might also like bust. And statistically, they bust out like a hundred percent of the time. Like,
0: I mean. I wouldn't say hundred percent of the time, but yeah, I'm still gonna take. I don't know. I'm gonna take the chance to draft maybe a. I don't know. And I'm, I'm not, trying to think of what a good example. I'm not trying to, to like a Jan- I want to say Giannis, here. but I'm, like...
1: not, I'm not trying to say like your plan is wrong. I'm just trying to say that like the 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 valuation we have for players who aren't like obvious archetypes is always lower than it should be because we don't want to do the same thing that coaches don't want to do which is actually try to fit my team to its players well, right
0: the, like there's some reasons for that it's right. a little bit easier to fit someone who you can see how they fit versus trying to mold something sure, around someone who's different
1: there's 30 nba teams and, it, and you're one of the privileged 30 people is a little to bit coach. Higher. like the the point the point is you get you get the talented players that can elevate your team as a collective and make you a better team. Just no qualifiers about what that you get the guy who makes you a better team and then you figure out why he makes you a better team and empower that. And if you can do that, you end up with teams like the warriors that get randomly awesome production out of a Juan Toscano Anderson, who is not doing that for any other team, but he's doing it for them because coach Curran knows what he's doing and like empowers that. Like, if if you know that you can get something like that out of somebody you should be drafting them higher yeah. right they should be higher well, if I mean, you if you can if you can look at somebody and be like yeah he's not you know he's not the 3 and d wing that we expected but i could do all this cool shit with this guy and if i do all this cool shit with this guy it's going to make us unique and give us like playoff wrinkles like that should be something people value so much higher than they do well that's good and and all is fine, when you have the plug and play is also predictable and basic, and in the playoffs it's not what you plug and play that that wins games.
0: You can say that, and it's nice when you can you can do that when you have a player like Steph Curry where it doesn't matter who you're throwing around him, it's gonna work out. But if you're a team like the Spurs who also goes for some crazy options, it backfires as well sometimes. So
1: we may be it's giving not Pop always... too much credit nowadays. <laughs> I think so.
0: They, I wouldn't uh, say nearly the, Pop this, himself. I think the whole team isn't.
1: Well, I think they've got the era players, has passed them by. But uh, they also have a they've coach had some good who's takes. like, mm, no, I'm not going to ask you to shoot a three. You don't have to shoot a three-pointer here. That's for the other teams. And like, all right, Pop. It sure. might be
0: time for Pop to... All right. I can't... No, I'm not going to... No, I'm not going to say anything. We're at 90 <laughs> minutes.
1: Okay. <laughs> Let's end before we say something we regret. <laughs> I regret nothing. Uh, we'll, uh, you never we'll end do. on this high note. The USA is currently three up on Honduras in the Honduras uh, on, in the World yeah. Cup qualifiers. That makes me very happy.
0: My weird note that I saw was that uh, Rudy Giuliani was on the Mass Singer, I think, one of those shows, and two of the judges left in protest. So
1: I didn't didn't want to know. Didn't want to. I randomly got thrown to be. All right, we are planning to come back on Wednesday. Webster actually gave me a hard commit this time we A want to make sure to get to one in.
0: pod in and i'm gonna put jake on the spot and make sure that he gets it edited and out before the trade deadline the next day
1: if we actually record on time it'll happen <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it won't happen <laughs> yep all right talk we'll to you guys you. next week Bye-bye.
1: Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.